And it's Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. You're with Lyle and Angela this morning. We're super excited to have Angela as a part of the show right now. We have our 20 million movement Bible study, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time right around the world. And so we're going to get into our Bible study for the day. And this week... We've got a really interesting topic, and it is called Dealing with Difficult Passages. Uh, Angela, are there such a thing as difficult Bible passages? Oh, I think there are several, and many of us, unfortunately, let that be our stumbling block where we stop. Okay, so why do you think it is that there are difficult passages in the Bible? I mean, shouldn't the Bible just be like really simple and straightforward? Oh, but that's the beauty of it. That's the point of the Bible is to understand and know God. And how can you understand and know someone who thinks so much bigger than you? I mean, it's like us trying to communicate to a baby um, some type of very chemistry. Let's just try to explain chemistry to a baby. Could you do it? No. And so here is God who thinks so much bigger than us and then saying, all right, I'm going to try to explain to you how much I love you and as little of terms that I can, but then so many multiple ways that as we dig, there's deeper and deeper jewels for everyone, right? There's the surface ones for those who just have a basic understanding. And then as we spend more time, then you become a Bible study student for maybe 50 years, you find even more depth. Have you ever stopped finding new things in the Bible? Oh, never. I just found some amazing (laughs) things yesterday that I was like, what? Have I not read this before? (laughs) (laughs) Have you read the whole Bible? Um, I have not actually made it through cover to covers. I always do these different sections and then I try to do the whole cover to cover thing and I just get lost and I go back to different sections that I'm interested in. That rabbit hole and another one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're one of these distracted Bible readers. Easily, easily, uh... I shouldn't say easily distracted, but it's easily like inspired, I'm, easily inspired by a subject you come across. Yes, or I just get into what is relevant for right going on right then. Maybe something that happened in the Sabbath school or at church, or maybe something that happened with a group of friends, and I end up studying that, and I get off my plan, and then you know when I'm off my plan, I just can't. Back <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Okay, so when it comes to difficult passages, I think you've raised a really valid point in that. Even as a teacher, I suspect there have been occasions when you have gone over the head of your students. Oh, definitely. (laughs) And so God is trying to teach us. We are his students. His knowledge is so infinite above ours. We've covered a couple of science stories here on The Breakfast Show in recent times. People discovering things in the universe, uh, in fact... One of the recent ones, one of the recent scientific discoveries we covered was the discovery of uh, matter, mm-hmm. missing matter in space. So space is not actually space. Mm-hmm. You think it is space, but it's not actually space. Space is nothing. But space that we call space is actually full of matter. And we've known about this matter for a long time through theory and recently it was actually discovered and they were actually able to measure the matter that is in space. And I think it amounts to about one atom for, you know, the size of, you know, every area the size of the office that we're in right now. So there's not very much matter, but it's still not space. It's actually matter, just more space between the matter. And this is an excellent example. You might have to explain yourself several times for me to understand. Yeah, well, I, don't know that, I don't know that I fully understand this one. In fact, I'm quite sure that I don't. Uh, but anyway, they discovered, they discovered this missing matter. 
That, okay. Those like, yep, half of the matter in the universe or three quarters of the matter in the universe that exists is missing. We don't know where it is. And then they found some of it. And that was pretty cool. And the conclusion of the scientists who discovered it was every discovery we make teaches us how much we do not know. Exactly. And so when you come to God and God's like, okay, I've got to communicate to humans. Let me make this simple. And he makes it simple. And then we come along as broken human beings. It's no wonder that we mess it up sometimes. And it's no wonder that we come across some things in the Bible and go, huh, what? Wait a minute. What are you talking about here, God? Okay, so we're going to look at a passage here. Uh, Angela, can you read for us? Um, our passage for today, which is Second Timothy chapter two, verse ten to fifteen, please. Yes. So Second Timothy chapter two, ten through fifteen says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, so when we work our way down through this particular passage right here, you know, it starts off with some really important um, principles about God and his relationship with us. But then it moves on to give some advice and some admonishment. So let's, let's I guess, go back to the beginning here in verse 10. Um, and whoo, let me see here. I was actually looking at the wrong chapter right now. I was actually looking at chapter two instead of chapter chapter three instead of chapter two. And you know what? Chapter three, <laughs> chapter three is actually really relevant. I'm just reading here from verse ten, and it's actually really relevant. But anyway, let me find the right one in chapter two, beginning in verse ten. Okay, um, he gives us a whole bunch of advice here. You know, it's a faithful saying. If we are dead with him, we will live with him. If we suffer, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we believe not. Yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Okay, so why? What, what's what's Paul actually doing here in this particular passage? What's he what's he highlighting? What kind of issues is he highlighting in that passage right there? Well, he's highlighting the fact that Christ is the one who does it all. Yes, through Christ we live. Um, because he reigns, we get to reign. If we endure, he endured. Um, and if we are faithless, he remains faithful, and he, us, him living inside of us is what makes us faithful. Okay, so Paul is highlighting the fact that everything about Christianity, everything about you know finding success in life, really, is found in our relationship with Christ, our connection to him, and what he is able to do through us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so um, we've got this whole passage here where he goes down through this. But then when we come to verse, uh, where were we? 15. Verse 15. Verse 14. Read for us verse 14. What does Paul say in verse 14? 
Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. That's interesting. So Paul says, remind them about these things. In other words, remind them about Jesus Christ. Remind them about the teachings of Jesus Christ. But don't strive about words to no profit. In other words, to no advantage. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been doing a Bible study and you have felt like you were striving about words to no advantage? Oh, definitely. Many times. <laughs> <laughs> and how edified did you go away from that Bible study at the end? Um, not so. Not, not so, so much. much no. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is there opportunity in the Bible to strive about words to no profit? And unfortunately, I think they're not, they're not, but we take them sometimes to a level that they should not be. Yeah, absolutely, because I think that I think that's actually a really good way of answering that question, because there's lots of times when we can when we can strive over words in the Bible and use that opportunity as an opportunity to grow and to strengthen and to learn deeper truths from the Bible, and other times we just get stubborn and fight over it and accomplish nothing. Well, okay. I think we have to honestly ask ourselves every time we study the Bible: Are we going to it? to know God, or are we trying to prove or justify something in our lives? So often the striving happens because we're projecting what we want to be there instead of giving the scripture a chance to tell us what it is trying to say through Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. We should have a discussion about the daily. Oh, oh, should we? <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit of an inside joke between Angela and myself and the Arise class uh, because there, this, is, this is a subject about a word in the Bible that you can take two different views on and two of the teachers at the Arise class, myself and one other teacher, take a different view on it. And what I find interesting is that we both come to the same conclusion at the end. We arrive at it through different ways and we are able to disagree with each other while still respecting and appreciating what the other person has to say. Mm. And I think it's a great example of a situation in which you can learn, you can, you can take something that is a disagreement and learn deeper truths as a result of it. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, there's different kind of learners. And I have definitely found that for me, I am the kind of learner that learns while I'm talking which might sound really funny because you're like, how are you learning anything? You're just talking the whole time. But the truth but you is, talk is it as, out. You talk it through. as I'm talking it through, I discover it. And so it's not necessarily that it's wrong to talk about these difficult passages and try to figure out what is truth. It's when you come in with no openness to the fact that you may not know it all. And no humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. I have no humility about the daily because I'm right. Um, <laughs> well, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all good. It's all good. All right, so... What we're going to find then is that there are some passages in the Bible that appear to contradict themselves, and atheists love to make lists of these. Mm -hmm. And you can jump online and find lists of them. And if you don't know your Bible, then some of them can be a little bit challenging. Most of them it's like, yeah, you're just making making uh, an issue where there is no issue. But, yeah, there's one or two in there that could be rather challenging to somebody who is... Maybe a little bit less familiar with the Bible. You know what surprises me the most about the contradictions in the Bible? Hmm. The thing that surprises me the most is how few there are. Isn't that the truth? Yes. I mean, you've got a, a book that was written 
by 40-odd, probably 44 or thereabouts different authors who did not collaborate together. They just wrote at different times. They just wrote as the Holy Spirit inspired them. You know, they weren't sitting down and having a collaboration and saying, okay, we're going to write a book together and we're going to make this thing work. Um, so you've got about 44 different authors who do not collaborate and they write over a 1,400-year period. That's a massive span of time and yet you have consistency and agreement throughout the Bible. Yeah, How does that even happen? Do you know how many verses there are in the Bible? By chance? No, do you? No, I don't. Oh, but I, I wish I did, but I was just I thinking think if you, if you have what percentage of verses are actually difficult compared to how many verses there are in the Bible, I bet it's a very small percentage. It'd be a minuscule percent percentage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have 31,102 verses in the Bible, and I would say there's about maybe... 30 verses in the Bible that are problematic. Well, even if you said 100, which would be very, 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 very generous. That would be extremely generous. You're at, is that in that 3%? Less than. Less than. Less than. And yes. that's very generous. <laughs> and that's a book that was written over 1,400 years by 44 different authors, mm-hmm. thereabouts. Okay, so that's remarkable. And to me, what that does is it reveals two things. It reveals the supernatural power of God to be able to inspire the Bible. The other thing that it reveals to me is that if I was able to read the Bible through once and understand everything that it said, then it would have come from a human source. The fact that I can keep reading and studying the Bible throughout my entire life and learn new things and greater depths reveals and and never, ever get to the bottom of it. And the fact is that people have been reading and studying the Bible for three and a half thousand years. More books have been read about, written about this book than any other book. And you know, probably we probably have more people studying the Bible right now than has ever studied it in the past of human history. And we have still found it to be an absolute bottomless mine of just gems of the most amazing kind because we are continually finding new things in the Bible, mm-hmm. writing about them, preaching about them, sharing them, you know, and then somebody else picks up the same ideas and goes a little bit further. And it's just amazing stuff. Well, and what so- other book can you read repeatedly and get incredible satisfaction and yet incredible amount of questions from and be okay with it? Yeah, absolutely. What other book? There, there is none. There is none. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. There is none. It is without parallel. Okay, so the Bible is an amazing book. and um, But what we're going to do this week, here's what we're going to do this week. Our our lesson is all about how to understand difficult passages. Our Bible verse today highlights a principle. We're going to highlight a principle each week, but we're also going to look at some difficult passages. So we'll look at some of those in just a moment. I've got a a doozy that I'm going to... um, I'm going to challenge Angela with, so just stay tuned for just a oh, minute. Oh dear! <laughs> we'll see if we can we'll see if we can catch her catch her out. Okay, um, <clears throat> but Paul says here, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, um, but to the subvert, subverting of hearers. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay. Is there a contradiction? Well, even in this passage, at first glance, <clears throat> as you read it, it's like, all right, Christ does all the work for me in eleven through thirteen, mm-hmm. and then fourteen and fifteen, it's like, hold up, 
Um, and verse 15 specifically, it's like, but be diligent, do your role. You have to make sure that yourself is approved and that you're the one that is understanding the word of God. Maybe at first glance, that might be what you think the passage says. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what it does say. It says, study to show yourself approved. So in other words, if you don't study, you're not approved before God. And so if you want God's approval, you have to study, which means that you're doing the work and not God doing the work. And you need to make sure you have an understanding and that's on you. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So that's an apparent contradiction. Now, is there any other other passages in the Bible that might um, come across to you as being contradictory in this respect? Yeah. Immediately when I read that verse um, to say the Sabbath school lesson, I thought of Philippians 2.12. Okay. It seems to be along the same line of that. And it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All right. So the Bible says that Jesus does it all. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says that you won't have God's approval unless you study and you won't have salvation unless you work it out for yourself. Uh, yeah, sounds like a slight paradox there. <laughs> it does. And I'm super glad that you picked that up because I would never have seen that in this particular passage right here myself. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We ended the last section with a contradiction in the Bible. Okay, Angela, hmm. our contradiction. Back to the Bible it. says, study to show yourself approved to God. The Bible says, work out your own salvation. And the Bible says that salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So how do you reconcile this contradiction? Well, I think as always, you have to look at it in this context and not make an entire doctrine based on one verse. Yes. So um, I don't know which one do you want to start with. Um, I'll start with, I'm going to go to Philippians. Okay. I'm going to go Philippians. So that's Philippians 2.12. Yep. So I'm going to go, yeah, okay. So yeah, let's, let's do Philippians first. Go for it. Philippians 2.12. Okay. So if I chose to stop where I did in verse 12, and I decided that I was going to just decide that the verses decided where my thought patterns were, mm-hmm. then I'd be in trouble. But right away, if you look at the end of 12, it ends with a semicolon, which means I stopped in the middle of a sentence. Okay, okay. So it wasn't all really right. fair, you to be being fair honest, because if you look at verse 13, there's a period at the end of that, and that is the rest of the principle. So it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure so who's doing the work in verse 13 in verse 13 god is doing the work but isn't that a isn't that a contradiction right with there verse in 12? his own thought <laughs> yeah okay and this is one of the things that i think that people who are looking for excuses will often ignore the verses on either side mm-hmm. now i'm going to go back a little bit further because i'm going to defend this morning that we are to work out our own salvation By ourselves. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to defend the undefendable this morning. And seeing as we have a school teacher present who knows what a semicolon and a colon is, I thought a colon was something that was inside your um, belly. There's... Well, welcome to the English language. (laughs) Have you heard of homophones? They sound the same, but they mean different things. Okay. So we're going to go with a verb. We're going to look for a verb. Okay. Um, A verb is a what? 
You're a school teacher? What is a verb? <laughs> it's an action. An action, <laughs> a doing word. I was, I was always uh, taught that the, the verb was the doing word. So verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Where's the verb? Where's the action? Where's the thing that you do? Your translation might be slightly different yeah, to mine. Yeah, I don't so even, me, so sorry. Nope. Let me read mine. <laughs> let me read mine. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Where are you reading from? Verse 5. Philippians 2 verse 5. Oh, you went way up. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I did. I went way up. That's right. So treasure hunt. Yes. Um, let... Let is the verb, isn't it? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so the Bible says, <clears throat> the Bible says, "Let this mind be in you, which is in, which is in Christ Jesus." Now that sounds like a like a super easy thing to do. Uh, is it something that we have to do? Definitely. I mean, otherwise, it'd be control. We'd be puppets. So it has to be a choice. Who has our mind? Okay. So this is one hundred percent us, because if God forces Himself in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so the great illustration is the one you find in Revelation chapter 3, where the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So if God starts twisting the door handle, pushing on the door, or bashing on it with his shoulder, then that's force, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And the moment that force comes into the equation, free will goes out of the equation. The moment that free will goes out of the equation, love goes out of the equation. Yes. Can you love someone if they come to you and say, you must love me and put a gun to your head and say, I will shoot you if you don't love me? Well, I will say the words. You will, yes, you will indeed. But I will not feel the feelings. <laughs> you will say the words but not experience the, the emotion uh, or the reality of love. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when, it, the, when the moment you take away free will, love doesn't exist. It's as simple as that. And so allowing Jesus to come into our life, to work out salvation, allowing Jesus to come into our life to change us into his image. Letting God is a verb, and it's 100% us. Mm -hmm. It is 0% God. Now, God will draw us, and God will you know, put before us a picture of why we should do that because God will say, okay, I died on Calvary for you. I've done this and this and this. I give you all of these blessings. Won't you come to me? And so he will plead with us. He will, he, will, he will put his case forward, but he will never force himself. It is always 100% your decision. So the work of salvation, the work of conversion, the work of changing your life is 100% God. The work of allowing him to do that mm -hmm. is 100% you. Yes. Okay, so we do have a role to play in our salvation. Definitely. And also, it's your salvation, your parents' decision, your grandparents' decision. That's why it says your own salvation. It's important to think it's my decision. It's not because my parents raised me this way. It's not because of the bad circumstances I was put in. It's I make choices. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, at the beginning of verse 12, it says, therefore. And whenever you see therefore, you need to find out what is it therefore. And you point us back to Christ in the verses before. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great thought. I've never thought of that right there before. That's, yeah. So the answer, so the, so the, the key the therefore, for verse 12. The therefore is, the, is, is, the, is, is demonstrating this verse 12 is based on everything that has been said previous to this. Yes, which is the 5 through 11 is all talking about the humbled and exalted Christ. So therefore, it is Christ. But, I have, but 12 and 13 says, but hey, 
though it is Christ, you get the choice, my friend. Yeah. You always get the choice. Okay. Study to, to show yourself approved to God. This is an interesting one. Back to Second Timothy again. Back huh? to Second Timothy. Study to show yourself approved to God. Let's think about this very quickly. If you're going to have a relationship with someone, does a relationship happen by just sit back, relax, let it happen? Uh, definitely not. Definitely not. A relationship happens when you make it a priority and you put an effort into it. That's what makes a relationship work. And that's what God is saying right here. I want you to make this relationship a priority. I want you to put some effort in and make this relationship work because I'm doing absolutely everything I can to make this relationship work. But you can't have a relationship when it is just a one-way street. A relationship goes two different directions. Let's spend our time today having a relationship with God by spending time in His Word and drawing closer to Him.